Good morning to all. Open your bulletins, because this is the day. If you don't have a bulletin, you need one. Because uh, once a year, if you're visiting with us, we do this. And that is, we approve our elders for the upcoming year. And there is much that I've printed that we will not have time. But I want to draw your attention. We won't have time to read through it, but I want you to read through it. But because we're going to close the service in a time of prayer, turn in your bulletin where it says Spotlight Events. Because several very important events are happening in the life of our church. Today at 1230, uh, Kimberly Fowle and Dion, they are going to be leading a rally for all of you that are interested in serving in children's ministry. There will be a lunch with that. That begins at 1230 in the Commons. That will not be mentioned at the close of service, so just remember that's what's happening today. Then, of course, we started new Bible studies today, last week, in the Titus II seminars. And let me just say a special word to all of you ladies. We've had over 100 ladies this last week in Bible study, and 95% of them have used one word when I've said, well, what was it like? And the word was incredible. So I just encourage you, Tuesday afternoon, 1.30 to 3, Wednesday night, 6 to 7.30, or Sunday mornings, 9 to 10.15, Stephanie will be leading you in the study of God's Word. And I encourage you all to be a part of that. Then as you look down at Manly Night, it's a different place this year, but it's going to be incredible, and we are ready to sell tickets today. Uh, at, at Marquette High School, that's the different place, still 6 p.m. on February 9th, but you can purchase a table of six or a table of eight or individual tickets. And at the close of this service, Brad Gilbert will be out there and uh, straight out these doors, and you can purchase your tickets today. Invite men to come to this. It is going to be incredible. Then Upward. Yesterday, we had around five to 600 persons at our Upward. For some reason, people get sick on Sunday, but they can play ball on Saturday, and we had a great time. Now, maybe that's why they're all sick today, because you think of all of these children handling the same basketball. And just think about that. That's why you always wash your hands after you play basketball, okay? But uh, make sure you come and see what's happening in the life of our fellowship on Saturday mornings. It'll be for seven more weeks. It is an incredible time that the Lord has blessed us. Now, last announcement is not printed there. At the Welcome Center, ladies, we need 50 ladies. I don't know how many signed up already, but we need 50 ladies to serve at Marquette High School. You also usually get to eat that night, and you're also invited to uh, listen to the program. So I uh, thank you for that service in advance. And now, as you look at the order of service, because once we start it, I'm not going to emcee it, and I want you to know where we're going. You'll just follow. What we're going to do today is listen to each elder, and I've asked Joe Brooks, because his church administrator, he serves in the role as an overseer, as an elder. And I've asked each of these men to take two minutes in sharing what Jesus Christ means in their life today. 
And that's for two purposes. I want you to hear their heart, what God's doing in their life. Today, I also want you to know who our elders are. Because often people say, I don't even know who our elders are. And I may mention a name. Well, I don't know who that is. So it's serving both purposes. So we'll come in alphabetical order. So Todd, you come first. And I've already heard this in first service. You are going to be greatly blessed. That mic right there. And then you can just hand it off to each man. Well, good morning, friends and church family. For those of you that haven't met me, my name is Todd Brand, and my wife and three little children are sitting over there in the, in the front row. Uh, this year, and maybe part of last year, I would share with you, uh, both as a function of serving as an elder last year, and again, uh, being allowed to do so this year is a great gift. Uh, the Lord has been working in me uh, in an area, uh, in a verse that I've known for a long time that I forgot in the first service but I'll remember in the second service, so I didn't bring my Bible up specifically. This is a verse that many of you have grown up with and that many of you know. Uh, Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And reading that verse and reading the Proverbs with some level of regularity, uh, I would share with you uh, that my focal point for it has not always been on the word acknowledgement. And so... In the here and now, in the right now, and and where the Lord is in my life, I would share with you that he has brought to me the attention that I am to acknowledge him far more than I did for most of my life and most of my life as a Christian. And so that's translated itself into ways of, um, of just maybe how I conduct myself in my business relationships or how I conduct myself with my friend relationships and recognizing that the Lord has done something in me and having a, an insatiable desire to see that that happen in the lives of people who I'm, who I'm privileged to touch uh, or to know uh, in my life. And then the Lord uh, follows up that in Proverbs 3, uh, verse 10. He says, <coughs> excuse me, honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, which is another simple, pithy verse, if you will. But honor the Lord with your possessions. The Lord has worked in me an understanding that my possessions go beyond my car, or my bank account, or my home, and actually translate into those gifts, those things that the Lord has shared with me or shared with my family. And so it might mean sharing my family with another family. Honor the Lord with my possessions. Uh, So those are the two things that the Lord has been uh, gracing me with uh, a deeper understanding of recently. And again, it's a privilege to to serve as your elder. So if I don't know you, uh, please know that I'd like to and uh, look forward to, to getting to know you better. So Stephen, I believe you're alphabetically next. Good morning. Uh, My name is Stephen Cossey. I'm privileged to be married to Kelly. Uh, We just celebrated our 17th anniversary a few weeks ago. Uh, We have two sons. Uh, Ash uh, is a sophomore at Eureka High School, and Will uh, is a sixth grader at LaSalle Springs. And uh, they are downstairs serving uh, in the uh, preschool ministry this morning. Um, Before I start, just a quick reminder. I haven't sent out a text yet, but uh, we are having Bible study tonight, college students at the house at 630. So that'll save me some phone calls later. Um, Pastor Phil asked me, you know, asked us all to share what the Lord has been doing 
uh, what, you know, what it means for the Lord to, to, to be in my life. And, uh, and to somehow narrow that down to two minutes, um, which is kind of a hard thing to do. So I thought I'd be a little more specific. Um, when, he, when he talked to me about it, it reminded me of a passage in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. And um, uh, the Apostle Paul, as he's writing there, he's, <clears throat> he says in, in verse 1 and 2, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And that calling that we have, you know, there's four things there that he mentions in that calling to the, the way he calls us to live our lives. And the first thing is, is to live in a manner of humility. Uh, the second thing is to live in a manner, manner of, of gentleness. Then he, he says to live in a manner of patience. And then he says to, to live in a way to bearing up with or in other words, to put up with one another in love. And all four of those things are, are areas that, that do not come naturally to me or to probably any one of us here in this room. And so it's a sort of reminder of God working in my life every day that I might be able to live in, in accordance with the calling that he has called me to live that way. And the only way I can do that is by surrendering myself to the Holy Spirit every day to continue to work in my heart uh, and continue to work in my life. Thank you for allowing me to serve and allowing me to share this morning. Thank you. Hello, my name is Philip Hunter, and I uh, have the same name as Pastor Phil Hunter uh, because I was named after him. I uh, am uh, excited to be up here with you. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I represent... Uh, a wife, her name is Shelly Hunter, and then four little ones, Atlee uh, and Avery. They are twins. Uh, they are six years old. And then we have Cannon, who is four, and Champ, who is two, and they are all downstairs. And just to quickly share with you what the Lord is, is doing in my life, you know, I've grown up in church my whole life. And I think after a while, we can think that we've, because we go to church so much, that I'm becoming uh, more and more Christ like, I'm, I'm becoming a better person. And at the age of 37, I am realizing that every single year, uh, my nature is getting worse. And that Jesus is my only hope. You know, the Bible says in, uh, Stephen wrote from Ephesians, I'm going to read from Galatians 5, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And then it says down in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. See, when we give our life to Christ, we come alive. We're alive by the Spirit. But see, I still have this flesh. And everything in me wants to gratify my flesh. And every year I get older, guess what? My flesh wages, and I am learning more and more. See, I don't become discipled in my flesh, and I don't just become a better person. The only way that I am learning that I can live this life, the only way I can be a faithful husband and a good daddy and to be a godly man is that I am surrendered to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. So, so Jesus is my only hope. And my only way to do this, I am learning, is that I have got to be yielded to the Holy Spirit because I am seeing more and more every single year I have got to be more and more desperate or else I'm not going to make it. We're not going to make it. And that is the work that the Lord is, is doing in my life right now. 
and I'm just so grateful that I get to be a part of this church and, and to help in, in leading, and um, thank you very much for trusting us. So, thank you. Mr. Del Nellen. I'm Dale Nallen, and I've only known this young man since he was 16 years old, I guess, so I'm, uh, I'm showing my age a little bit, but uh, I've been privileged to be uh, a part of, uh, of this fellowship for since 1995, and I guess I've known Phil for over 20 years now. And, uh, I've been married to the same woman for 44 years. I'm going to tell you a little more about her in a minute. I have two, uh, two adult children and two grandchildren, and... Uh, I want to just share with you a little bit about what God's doing in my life. Um, one thing that um, I'd like to share with you, it's kind of personal, but it, it happened a few years ago. Uh, my daughter was pregnant and had a, she had a baby boy uh, named Zachary, and he was told, we were told when he was in the womb through an ultrasound that he had a hole in his heart. We were also told that could be corrected. But unfortunately, he only lived a couple of days. And a beautiful little, little boy. I prayed for that baby every day, multiple times, for God's healing. And I, after that happened, I became bitter, and, and I got angry at God. But praise the Lord, I got past that. And God was uh, so good to me, and I want to just read with you what the one verse that uh, just came back over and over. Uh, my glasses on here. And that's Psalm 62. 5 and 6, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress, and I will not be shaken. He showed His grace, and He healed my broken heart. But the second item I want to share with you is Jesus' love. And next to the Lord, the person that loves me, and I love more than anybody, is my wife. And uh, Sandy and I, like I said, we've been married for 44 years. And I retired from the business world a couple of years ago, so I've been able to spend a lot more time. Together, we've been able to spend a lot more time. Sometimes I'm spending more time with her than she wants. But uh, anyhow, it's just revealed to me that what a blessing it's been, our marriage has been. And I just share that with you. I call her my treasure because she's a treasure. She's more precious and silver and gold and uh, he's just that we're able to do things together that we haven't been, hadn't done regularly like spending time together in prayer and just uh, really enjoying one another and I just uh, I praise the Lord for for those blessings to be married to a wonderful person like Sandy and uh, I thank you for that Sandy and finally uh, the last thing is uh, Jesus is faithful and as I've like I said, as I've been retired, I, uh, I've, I've still stayed involved in some other organizations. But God has showed me that as I've become closer to these different people that I've met, that I've not been faithful in, in sharing my testimony with them. And I want to be held accountable for that because I love people. I love to get to know people. And they share things with me. And I just need to be more open to do that. And, I, and like I said, I want, to be, I want to be held accountable for that. And, and finally, I, I thank you for the opportunity. I'd been praying about uh, where I could serve. And Phil and Joe approached me a few months ago, a couple months ago, and wanted to know if I would be willing to serve as an elder. 
and uh, I'm so thankful to be given that opportunity. There's a lot of exciting things going on in this church, and I'm glad to be a part of that, and I thank you for your time today. Good morning, church. My name is Greg Schuster. Uh, my wife is Leah. She is at home with our two younger boys. This is our oldest, Noah, on the second row. Uh, this morning she wanted to be here, but I um, want to share with you for just a couple of minutes uh, the attribute that the Lord is most visibly speaking into my life right now, and that's what it is for him to really be my one and my only true eternal hope. And as we, as many of you, were, over the last several weeks have come through the Christmas season, Leah and I had the great joy and the great blessing of so many celebrations of Christ's birth and the joy that comes along with that with our family, with our friends, uh, with our church family here at West County. The Lord's just doing amazing things. And even in the joy of that, uh, the Lord just showed us this year, also as you look around the world, the great heartache uh, and just the lostness and the hopelessness that's in the world around us. And even as we spent time this year more than ever with our own families, uh, we were convicted and reminded of the hopelessness of the world uh, in a life apart from Christ. And the Lord's showing me that I can't really appreciate and fully grasp the hope that he is to us if I lose sight of how hopeless we are apart from him. And as I've just wrestled with that and prayed over it for the last several weeks, he's taken me to promise after promise in scripture of the eternal hope that he is for every one of us. And it's amazing to me as he's done that, every time he go, I go there, there's also a vivid picture and equally clear of that hopelessness uh, that we have apart from Christ and that each one of us in Christ was before we came to him. And so I want to share two verses with you. They're in Ephesians this morning. And the first is in chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is Paul's prayer. He's just given thanks for the church at Ephesus, and this is his prayer for them. And he says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know... What is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? And that's such an awesome picture of that hope uh, that I'm still trying to wrap my mind around and get my heart around. And to put an exclamation point on that, just a few verses later in chapter 2, verse 12, he gives them that reminder, and he's talking about before they came to Christ. And he says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, God's chosen people, and strangers to the covenants of his promise. And if that's not enough, he goes on and he says, having no hope without God and in the world. And so just more and more as the Lord shows me what it is to be my hope, I keep seeing that. Eternal hope and extreme and utter hopelessness of the world. And the Lord's shown me that the longer each of us walks with him, the more Satan presses us and the more vigilant we need to be that we don't lose sight of the magnitude of that hope in each of our lives. And that's my prayer, just in my peace, that I don't, I'm not my hope. For my wife, I'm not her hope. I'm not my children's hope. The Lord is our hope. That's my prayer for our family. Uh, that's my prayer for this church. And uh, would be blessed to continue serving here and appreciate uh, the Lord letting us do that. Good morning, church family and guests. Um, on behalf of myself, I'm Mark Tom, for those of you who I haven't met, and um, my wife of almost 22 years, Kim, and our six children, uh, 
Olivia and Caroline and Andrew, who's homesick today, unfortunately, and Elizabeth and Hannah and little Nathan. Um, I wanted to greet you this morning with grace and peace to you from the Lord our God and from Jesus Christ. This was the greeting of Paul and Peter in the New Testament. It's used in 16 books in the New Testament. And the reason why it's so precious this morning, and I greet you that way, is because I like to talk a little bit about the concepts of grace and peace, and particularly what the Lord has been doing in my life, I would say, over the last two years. Um, the word grace, the Greek word for it is charis, and that word appears 170 times in the King James Version. The word peace is the Greek word irene, and it appears over 100 times. So these words are important words, and it's interesting because in the in the first service, I did not get, a, get an opportunity to hear all of my other brother elders share their testimonies, but I'm glad I'm getting to talk last this morning because so much of what's been talked about all rests in grace. Grace. Um, over the course of the last couple of years, there are three areas where trying to understand God's grace, unmerited favor, has become very, very real to me. Um, the first thing is that I tell you today, standing up here, uh, born again in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, October the 16th of 2002, 10 years ago, I've never had more certainty that there has never been anything that I have done, that there's nothing that I'm presently doing, or that there will ever be anything else that I can do to earn the righteousness of God. Thank you for grace, Lord. In my parenting, raising six children, having a loving wife, the Lord is just teaching me about grace. And where it shows up there most often is to try to really, really get a hold of the mystery that our six precious children who are all so different. I have a performance orientation. It's easy for me to relate to my children that way. I shared in the first service that I heard Adrian Rogers preach this week. He's teaching a series on grace, by the way. If you haven't heard it, it's tremendous. And he said, a servant was rewarded for what he did. A son was rewarded for who he was. Learning how to relate to my six children as different as they are, meeting them in their place of need as sons of the king is something that the Lord has been humbling me with. The second area, I have a broken relationship with my one and only brother. It's caused a great deal of pain in our family the last several years through a divorce and, and uh, just being alienated. And man, has the Lord worked in that in my life. Trying to learn how to love my brother when he's unlovable or when I don't know how to meet him in his place of need, the Lord continues to humble me. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. And I praise God for that. The third area is in serving here at West County, beginning to enter uh, what will be my seventh year of serving as an elder here. And more and more, I rest upon the grace of God to do it. In my own strength, I have very little that I can do here. But 
in the grace of God in the lives of all of you, my elder brothers, meeting pastor, you know, somehow the Lord finds a way to let us get done the work that we need to do here, and we keep moving forward, inch by inch, mile by mile, as pastor always says. In grace, I find the peace of the Lord. There's a reason why Paul and Peter always said, grace and peace. In grace, we receive the peace of the Lord. Praise God for that. In his grace, I'll serve again this year, and I'm thankful to do it. Thank you. My goodness, how the Lord has blessed us with leadership in these men. My name is Joe Brooks, and I'm the administrator here at West County Community Church and have been for going on 17 years, the 1st of February. So I'm greatly blessed by that experience. So my wife Babs in the middle of the front row down here where she sits by me faithfully every Sunday. We have two daughters, two adult daughters, and six grandchildren that are in the Carolinas. And uh, I come to you today as, as your servant. Uh, <clears throat> the thing that God has impressed upon me as far as his characteristics and uh, his faithfulness, and I think that's something that you never gain the proper perspective for perhaps ever in totality, but until you reach a uh, uh, certain uh, age, that gives you perspective for some period of time. And that's uh, where I speak from today because as I was in a gathering uh, over Christmas time and I was looking around the room and uh, I suddenly realized that I was the elder male of all the people in the room. And that struck me very uh, vividly as uh, where I am in life, a different stage, entering different stages of life. And uh, I look back upon the 17 years here and actually the 21 years of, of knowing Pastor Phil and serving with him and, and then being able to come on staff here by a miraculous work of God's faithfulness in my life, being able to retire early and then take on a new career here. I look about the things that have happened during that time and I'm just awed by the faithfulness of God. That's the one thing that just comes back to me time and time again. As I didn't think about how this church was started, first of all, and how we were able to find this land, how we were able to build the first unit of this building, how we were able finally, ultimately, to build a second unit now, how we were able to start the Zoe ministry and see the effect on people's lives, how we were able to found, found Living Water Academy and just see the blessing that that is in people's lives. I look back over that and think about the many times that that has brought to me concern and worry about how are we going to get this next thing done? You know, are we really going the right way? And the Lord time and time again is faithful and comes through. Even this past week, uh, an incident occurred that caused me personally at first to be very fearful and, and uh, just wondering how we were going to handle the situation. And, and uh, it's so great to have a pastor who is is there to remind you of the faithfulness of God. And uh, I admit that I, very often I'm kind of like the guy in the Bible who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So often I find myself in that, in that situation to have a pastor just next door in the next office to go over and I can share with him and know that I'll always be encouraged about the faithfulness of God. 
And that's what we see working day in and day out, day in and day out. So I thank you for the privilege of serving in that capacity. And I just ask your prayerfulness as we are facing new times in our lives, new challenges, uh, new decisions that need to be made. And, and uh, these are the things that we feel the prayers of you Christian brothers and sisters so strongly in. We just say thank you to you and thank you for the privilege of serving and thank you for the privilege of being part of the adventure of West County Community Church for the past 21 years. Pastor. What do we say, people? Tears are the sign. <laughs> Babs, you need to put a sack over your head because I cannot speak with you bawling your head out. Or middle section, just know why I'm not going to look at any of you the rest of this hour, okay? I'm going to look over here, and I'm going to look over here for a while. I'm not ignoring you. I know you're there, but I'm going to give Babs a few minutes to gather herself together because Babs does not have a pretty face when she's crying. <laughs> All right. I, I needed to bring a little laughter there so we can go on. We need both tears, and we need to smile. Sweeties, take your bulletin and just turn the page. I'm not going to take time to read all of this, but all of this is so important. And it is not only important for elders, it is important for every parent. Students, it is important for you to see the biblical principles of what is involved in being an overseer. So let me just walk you through this, and I'm going to have you write some notes down. So get your ink, pen, or pencil out. Now, you see that first page that says our structure of church leadership. Just write over that or underneath it, doing it God's way. Through the years, people will say, Pastor, why do we have elders? Well, when we started West County Community Church 19 and a half years ago, I wanted it to be a Bible church. I wanted everything we do when you say, why do we do that? I would say because that's what God's Word tells us to do. Now, in the first two paragraphs, it describes biblically what an elder is, what a pastor is. And go down then to that third paragraph. It only has one sentence in it. Let me read it, underline it. The two positions together, elder and bishop slash pastor, we use both words interchangeably, were the common leadership of New Testament churches as seen in Acts and the Epistles. That's why we have elders. Now, go to the bottom paragraph. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, is the place in the New Testament that gives a profile for overseers in the church, whether you're a pastor or whether you're an elder. 
before these men are ever presented to you, we go over this list. And just look at it. Above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle. That word gentle is meat under the control of the Lord, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. See, the most important aspect of any leader, whether it's an elder, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a parent, is how is your character? How is your walk? Because we say it enough here that you all know it, so I say it again. In parenting, more is than is taught. If you didn't hear that, in parenting, in leadership, more is caught than is taught. See, I understand that as a parent. I understand that as a husband. My wife is going to learn more about Jesus in the way I relate to her, in the way she watches me, no matter what's going in life. She's going to learn from me far more from watching me than ever listening to me. In fact, if my walking doesn't match my talking, it's going to what? Confuse her. If I teach to you about being kind and tender-hearted, but I'm not kind and tender-hearted to her in a disagreement, that confuses her. If my children hear me talk about loving one another, but at home I'm not patient and kind, which is love, that confuses my children. So that's why 1 Timothy is so important to all of us who are leaders. Leadership is first about character. Now just write that down on that page that gives those. Leadership is first about Christ-like character. See, as you students, God puts that desire in your heart to be leaders. The first mark and greatest mark of leadership is for you to be humble so Christ can be strong and you can have consistent leadership. That is faithfulness. Now turn the page. For all of you that are new in our church and you haven't been through life development, in the month of March, during the 9 to 10, 15 hour, I will be teaching again, as I did a few months ago, life development. I encourage you to come in there. After about two years of West County Communities Church started, we worked for several weeks, many, many hours, putting these principles together of what it means in light of Christ-like leadership is Christ-like character, these principles. Now, I want you to write this sentence right at the top of where it says West County Community Church, leadership commitment, right? For God to do a mighty work in me, write that down, for God to do a mighty work in me. 
I have to be what? Humble. For God to do a mighty work in me, I have to think and practice humility before God and before others. See, that's what Christ-like character is. Did you hear what my son Philip said? What did he say? Every year he gets older, apart from Christ, he becomes what? It was profound. I nearly said out loud, say it again, honey. Let me say it again. He said, this is a little boy raised in my home that all of his life, he was a three-year perfect sword drillsman. That is, he was memorizing 40, 50 verses every year, and he was perfect. He's never known a time when he didn't see his dad sharing Jesus. When he grew up, he was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and we had revivals in the fall and the spring. When he was, from the time he was elementary, he was going to three weeks of what's called super summer camp. I mean, he's been saturated in the Word of God. But did you hear what he said? Every year I live, God's teaching me, apart from Christ in my life, I am what? Worse. If you don't learn to live by the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, we either walk in the Spirit or the flesh, you don't get better by coming to church. You don't get better by being a preacher. You don't get better by being a Bible study teacher. And that may be one of the biggest lies in the church. People think, well, I've been a Christian for 25 years, so somehow that means automatic growth. No. Unless you learn to walk by the Spirit, and that is humble yourself before God, as you get older, you don't get better, you get worse. And I can tell you, the meanest people I've ever met in the world, and I preached in prisons for seven years, including death row, have been people that have been in church for all their life or for years that have not learned to walk by the Spirit because our flesh gets worse. See, these principles, we introduce them to our church family. Just look at them. I'm committed to the Lordship of Christ. That means He's the ruler of my life. I have no rights. Have you become offended this week and upset at anyone? If you have, it's because Jesus is not Lord of your life. Because when He's Lord, you're a slave. And you don't belong to yourself. You're bought with a price. Look at two, I'm committed to learning and proclaiming the eternal truths of God's Word. How much time do you spend every day in the Word of God? You say, well, I don't spend too much. You know why? Because you're not humble. Because, see, when you're prideful, you don't want to hear other authority. You want to do it your way. See, look at three, I'm committed to a daily quiet time alone. You say, I'm too busy. No, the only reason why, God showed me years ago, the only reason why I don't have time to be alone with the Father is because of my pride. Because if I'm alone with my Father, He's going to do surgery in my life. 
Look at four, I'm committed to being actively a maturing Christian. That is, I am responsive to the light. See, I don't want to be hard ground. I don't want to be rocky ground. I don't want to be thorny ground. I want to be good ground. So as the Spirit of the Lord speaks to me and I study the Word, it bears fruitfulness. See, I'm committed to edify and uphold the unity of the body of Christ. Stephen said something very profound. Look at what a church family is. A church family is just a gathering of what? Of all of our families. How much upsetness have you had in your family this last week, this last month? Did you know that every time we come together, we bring all of that that's not resolved at home and we put it together? See, leadership understands I got to be humble. And i got to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit so I can minister to people that are upset. I can minister to people that are still absorbed in themselves. I can have no rights. See, I can love as if I've never been hurt before. I can serve as if I've never had any needs myself. I can give like I don't have any needs because God is my source. That's the call of leadership. See, look at 6. I'm committed to be His witness by sharing my personal testimony why? Because people need the Lord. And until they have the Lord, they don't have a clue about life. And seven, I am committed to being obedient in the area of tithing and giving offerings. Why? Because that's God's way of providing ministry. God doesn't need anything. He owns everything. But the way this morning the lights were turned on is people were faithful givers. The way there was heat... The way there was even salt out in the parking lot is there's givers. Uh, the way there's bulletins, the way there's a PA system, the way everything we do. The, yesterday, the way there's basketballs and water bottles and a bathroom and the waterworks is because people give. And I just thank you for you that are such givers. And as our church is growing in faithful stewardship, and then last, number eight, I'm committed to God's leadership and provision in my life. I believe He has called me to serve in this leadership position. I trust that He has gifted me, prepared me, and given me the necessary spiritual insight and maturity to lead. Trusting God to be the source of all I need to complete His call. I will set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and in purity. Because that's leadership. Christ-like character. Now, I want you to know I just told the staff, because when we did this some 17 years ago, we would introduce this for all of you that would be Bible study leaders, whether you're a preschool or children or student, we would say, this is what you need. These are the principles in your life that God would do a mighty work in you so God can do a mighty work through you. But through the years, many people said, well, I want to serve, but I really don't. I'm not concerned about character. I want you to know we're starting that again. We're going to be introducing. I told all the staff, if someone wants to lead, we got to go back to what we know. We need God to do a mighty work in us. And so children's uh, Kimberly's going to be introducing this to all of you that do children's ministry. Sharon's going to be introducing it to you all that do preschool, to the greeters. I'm going to be revisiting the worship team saying, we need God to do a mighty work in us. 
so he'll have freedom to do a mighty work through us. And think what God would do in this church if we said, this is what describes the people of West County Community Church. I thought I'd hear a shout, amen. Amen? Now, let's go home. Because home's before church. What if all of us as parents said, these are going to be the principles that will direct me to let God do a mighty work. And every husband and every wife would say, these will be the principles for my life. Amen? Now, right underneath that, we don't have time, but about 10, 12, 14 Time flies. Remember, men, when we studied that book by John Maxwell, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership? And it's been described by many as the greatest book on leadership written in the last hundred years. Now, I know you can debate that. But because we spent about eight months studying that, and we took biblical stories to match his principles, I just wanted to put that in there. And, and we don't have time to read it now, but just turn the page. You can read through it. Spend 30 minutes, an hour on it. And, and just let, that, let the Lord speak to you. I want you to go to the bottom bullet. Because here was my conclusion when I did that study with our men. See, godly leadership is not a title, and it's not a position. It is a function of influencing others to the honor and glory of God. And I want you to circle the word influencing. See, more is called than is taught. With this influence comes indescribable responsibility. And the responsibility is daily humbly to let God do His work in my life so never anything am I doing confuses people what I'm saying. Now look right across the page, and I want to just speak for a moment from Acts 6, why we need godly leadership at home and in our church family. Acts 6, if you have your Bibles, open them, because I'm going to have you mark a few places. Acts 6, verses 1 to 4. Acts 6, and I want us to stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word, and I pray God will really help us remember this passage in the life of our church and the life of our homes. Acts 6, beginning with verse 1. Let's read it together. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give us You may be seated. Now here's the situation. And all of you men that have been in the, the study of Acts, you know the situation. From Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came, Peter preached, 
3,000 are saved, and the church is literally exploding. And so here we have a principle that I want you to know. Every time we have one new person come into this church family, we have the potential of great blessing, and we have the potential of one more person who can become what? Upset when they feel their rights are violated. And what happened here is you had a group of widows. They were Jewish widows, but they spoke the language of the first century Roman Empire. That's what that word Hellenist means. They spoke the language of what's called Koinea Greek, common Greek. And they did not feel in all the people coming that their needs were being met. And when you don't think your needs are being met, what often do you do? You compare with someone else. And they looked at the Hebrew widows and they thought they were getting more attention. And of course, when there's upsetness, where's the first place you're prone to go to? To leadership. So they went to the 12. That's the 12 apostles. And they said, you've got to take care of these ladies. They're upset. And what did the overseers, the apostles, say that they needed to keep doing? They needed to keep what? Preaching the Word, teaching the Word. It means proclaiming the Word. And they needed to keep what? Praying. Now in Ephesians 6 it says, our weapons, when we're to put on the armor of God, which just is put on Jesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then it says our weapons, and it mentions the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and prayer. And so they're saying, we need to keep fighting the battle with the weapons that God's given us. And we need to select seven men that are still filled with the Holy Spirit, because if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, when you serve, you'll become upset because someone doesn't thank you for your service. You'll still want to think that it's all about you and your service, so you'll get tired, you'll get discouraged, and you'll quit. But no, if you're serving full of the Holy Spirit, you'll serve out of the power of His strength, and you'll be faithful. Today I call us as elders, and I call us as leaders. If you're a leader in this church, and by the way, every one of you as parents are leaders in this church because you have a little clan called your children you're leading. I call us to see this principle. There where it says, we must devote, in verse 4, ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word like never before. Because of this fact, look at Roman numeral 1. See Psalm 19, verse 7 and 8. Let's look at it. I want us to read it together. Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Read it with me. The testimony of the Lord is sure. See, I filled in all the answers for you. Look at your message notes. See, we know, we know that God's Word is perfect. And Timothy says it thoroughly equips us, it perfects us. 
We know that God's Word revives us. And we sure need reviving because life is hard. We know God's Word is trustworthy. That is, it's sure. You will never regret putting your whole heart, as Todd said, trust the Lord with all your heart. Why? Because His Word is trustworthy. His Word makes us wise. And we make decisions that build our life up instead of decisions that we, our hearts are filled with regret. God's Word teaches us to do things right because God is righteous and His character reveals His Word. God's Word leads us to have a rejoicing heart. Even when you have tears coming down your cheeks, even when you're going through pain, I'm surrendered to the Lord and I'm surrendered to the authority of His Word. He's the joy of my life. And He's the strength of my life. See, God's Word is pure, and that word pure, if you look that word up in a Hebrew dictionary, the synonym is holy. He is holy. And God's Word opens the eyes of our lives to see the Lord. Now let me ask you, how many of you knew all of that? You know that here. How many of you know that? Only two of you? I thought more of you knew that. I thought all of you would say, I know that! You say, but it's sure hard sometimes to get it from here to here, right? And let me tell, show you why. And this is the call upon our elders and every leader in this church. Look at that little paragraph down there. See where the bullet is? We can know all of this and still often be deceived, write it in, to disobey God's Word. We can know all of this and still often be deceived to disobey God's Word. You say, what does deceived mean? See, the Bible often warns us. It says, do not be deceived. And deceived, that word literally means to have a false appearance. Now, why are we so easily deceived? Because our sinful nature never gets better. Just say that. My sinful nature never gets better. You say it one more time. My sinful nature never gets better. I want you to listen like you've never listened before. I'm not saying try harder. See, that's what some of you are doing. And what do you do? You keep failing. You can try as hard as you can with your sinful nature and it'll keep failing. See, write it in. Understanding the spiritual battle we are in. Now, in Romans 7, verses 21 to 25, what does it say about the spiritual battle? The first reason I have a spiritual battle is the Bible says we have this spiritual law at work in us that when I want to do, I find myself doing, yeah, when I want to do good, I find myself doing evil. That's your sinful nature. Now, you know what the devil does to you if you're not connected with other men or women to speak the truth? You'll feel condemned about that. 
you'll feel shamed about that. You'll feel bad about that, and you'll do the same thing that Adam and Eve did. You will run and try to hide. And that's why for years I keep inviting every man I know, come be a part of a Bible study with men or women or students. And if you're not doing good walking in the Spirit, you don't want to do that because you feel condemned. You feel shamed. You, you feel, I don't want anyone to know what's happening in my life. And you're being duped by the devil because he's the liar. See, understanding the spiritual battle we are in, that's Romans 7. And then look at Ephesians 6. Read these passages and let the Spirit minister to you. What does Ephesians 6 say? It says we are in a battle. So we better be strong in the power of the Lord because we don't just wrestle against the sinful nature. That's bad enough. But we wrestle against principalities of darkness. And the devil is ever scheming against us. The word scheme is the word English word method. It's methodi. He, he takes methods, and the number one method is just lies. And he tries to scheme against us that we would always fail in our walk. We would always fear in our walk. And we would always be frustrated in our walk. And we would always think, no one understands where I am. And he never wants you to see the grace of God. He never wants to see the Father's arms open this wide saying, come unto me. But if you come unto him, you have to humble yourself. And you know your hurts, and you know your sin, and he wants to condemn you with that. He wants you to be bitter with that. He says, come unto me. But to come unto the Lord, there's only one way to come unto the Lord, and that's to be humble. That's why I taught you last year, Every defect, every failure in the Christian walk is because of pride in our lives. So here's what we need to do, elders, as we close today. See, we need our leaders, I'm reading on, to spend more time praying for the power of God to work in all our lives so we will be good ground. See that Mark 4, 3, 9? Read it today. Remember when Jesus told the parable of the four soils? The sower represented the person that gave the word of God out. Then he said there were four kinds of ground. What were they? Hard ground, rocky ground, thorny ground, good ground. The seed never changed. It represented the word. The sower never changed. But what made the difference in the seed having impact was the kind of ground it fell on. See, I will preach by the grace of God and the peace of God till the day I die. And, and we've been blessed for 19 and a half years that every person that's ever gotten up here has preached the Word of God as the authority. You've never heard someone say, I don't know if the Word of God is perfect. I don't know if the Word of God is true. You've always been blessed in grace to hear the Word of God here and in your Bible studies. But you know why so many of us are the same way we were 19 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago? Because we can't be ground. I'm going to be held accountable for, to God for how I preach the truth, but I can't be accountable for you and what kind of ground you are. And elders, that's where I call upon you. I wish you were sitting all here on the front row. 
because I can't look at all of you. But I'm calling upon you in all that God's doing. We must spend more time daily just as the apostles realized we got to keep preaching the Word of God and we got to keep praying. That God would work in us as a people that a holy conviction would come upon us that we realize it's not about has pastor really prepared And pastor, is this going to be a good one? But I say to you, are you prepared and ready to receive what God has for you? Because if not, it's like throwing seed out on that pavement. Nothing will happen. And then go to that next one, teachable. See Hebrews 3, 7? You need to memorize that verse. Michael Shattuck preached on it several months ago. Do you remember what the verse said? When you hear the Word of God, it warns us, do not what? Harden your heart. Whenever you hear the Word of God and you don't commit yourself in humility to obey it, your heart just got harder. And last, obedient. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 The men, we've talked about this passage many times. Let's read 2 Corinthians 10, and this is why we need to pray. Husbands, this is why you need to saturate the throne of God with prayer for your wife and for your children. Wives, this is why you need to saturate the throne of God for prayer for your husband and your children. This is why, elders, we need to saturate the throne of God with prayer for the people of West County. Let's read it together. For though we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I would like at this time for each of our men, Todd Brand, Greg Schuster, Mark, Tom, Stephen, Causey, Philip, Dale Nallen. I think that's all of you. Come on up on the stage right now. And why don't we just go three here. Joseph, you come too. And four of you over here. And Philip may have had to go back downstairs. He's the leader of the team in the... uh, preschool ministry today and he had told me he had like 14 absentees today because either them or their children are sick so that's where he is I would like now the wife if you're here and I know some of our wives are downstairs would you come up and stand by your man help her she needs a knee surgery first of all we're going to review these names because I want you to know who these men are and who their wives are that are serving with me. And so try not to look at your words right now on your bulletin. Make your brain work. This is who? Greg Schuster and his wife is? Leah. Good. And this is who? Stephen Causey and his wife. And this is? And Kim. You guys are doing great if you're not cheating on me. That's good. You're doing great. And this is who? 
All right, you did that, Brooke. And this is who? Todd and Holly Brand. And this is? And his wife, Sandy. And they've been married how many years? See, you remember that stuff. Okay. You need to pray for them. You need to pray for them. Because you know how and who the enemy comes after first? The enemy comes after me. If, if the Hunter family and, and my wife, Ronnie, she's downstairs too. Because I'm sure when Phil was short, who do you run to when you need something? You run to Mama. And so that's where Ronnie is. She's downstairs in preschool ministry. But I give this talk to my family several times each year. I say, Sugars, the devil hates us. Let me tell you, the devil hates you. And his hatred intensified the moment you said, I'll be an elder. Now, that'll scare the dickens out of you if you don't see God. It didn't scare me at all. You know why? Because I hate him as much. The feeling is mutual. And I know who I am. I'm not strong Pastor Phil. I am weak Pastor Phil, who every day walks by humility, depending on the grace and the truth and the power and the strength of God to be strong in my life. And I'm like David when he went out against that nine-foot giant. He said, as big as he is, as great as my God is, I can't miss that guy. Because he saw, saw Goliath through the perspective of God. If you're discouraged today, it's because you're seeing it through your own eyes. You must humble yourself and see life through the perspective of Almighty God. But to do that, you must be surrendered to Almighty God. Men, I'm calling on you to be strong by realizing how weak you are. And do not allow the enemy to divert you, to discourage you, to distract you, to defeat you. You are so important. If the devil can't get to me, he's going to come after you. And you're strong in the Lord when you're humble so you can be graced to be strong. Got it? Church family, you need to pray. They'll remember that. Okay? They'll remember. And then you need to remember it too in your life. And they're going to be, and I'm going to be, and I've already given this talk to the church staff last week, we got to pray for you folks. That anytime you're coming to Bible study, listening to Christian radio, having a quiet time, you'll realize God's not going to do anything unless you're good ground. So let God get your ground ready that whenever you come in here, that you're good ground. Or the seed's just going to be there and Satan's going to whiff it away. Let's pray for these elders right now. Let's pray. Yes, we're going to pray for you in a minute, but right now we're going to pray for these elders. 
and their wives and their children. Father God, we thank you for your grace in our life that has saved us. We thank you for your grace that grows us, that convicts us, that corrects us. Father, that just perseveres with us, that opens the eyes of our hearts unto you. And Father, we thank you for each one of these men that have been convicted to hear your call to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. I am a servant of yours, and I will be a servant leader of this people. And I will teach your word by walking your word. I will teach your word by loving and caring and serving. Loving as if I've never been hurt. Serving as if I don't even have any needs. Giving because you are my supply. Father, we pray for each wife. We pray that daily, Lord, they would understand it is not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit, and they would be humble before you. Oh, Father, thank you for working in each wife to be that incredible encouragement to her husband to continue to humble himself before you and to cast all of his cares upon you and depend on you, O oh God, for all wisdom. Father God, we pray for their children and for their grandchildren. We just thank you, Father, for your divine protection upon each life represented standing on that stage. And we pray, Father, and we thank you you're the vine and we're the branches. And abiding in you, we will bring forth much fruit to your honor and glory and for our joy. We just thank you, Father, for what you're going to do through this leadership team this year. To your honor, your glory, your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Help each other up. And I want to ask you, and this is for you that are members of West County Community Church. For all of you that would vote to approve these men to serve as elders in our church in 2013, would you lift your hand and say, praise the Lord? And that means you're going to keep praying for them. And uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, men, and thank you, wife. Uh, for just being godly people. And uh, I praise the Lord that every man that you see up here is teaching the Word of God, either in a men's Bible study, in a student Bible study, in a children's Bible study, or in a care group. So they're doing that that God's called them to do, to teach the Word of God. We're going to increase and intensify in our praying. Amen. And since all of our children are not here, I'm not going to have our children come up. We've approved you. You may come right down here. We're going to close the service because I want you down here where people can come up and greet you and love you and just express personally that they're going to be praying for you.
Brad Gilbert, you go ahead, buddy, and go to the back. Mr. David, go with him to sell Manly Night tickets. And ladies, remember to sign up at the Welcome Center. And let's all stand together. Remember, there's a 1230 meeting today down in the commons for you that would feel the Lord's leading in learning about more children's ministry. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you. We leave this service with a heart full of gratitude and praise and resolve that, Lord, we're going to walk in victory, strong in your word, strong in the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, no matter what yesterday was, that's yesterday. And you're the God of new beginnings. So we start new in you today. And we praise you for your grace that makes that all possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You come and just express your love and appreciation to these folks as they give their lives to serve the Lord in youth.